0: Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast produced by Tell Me Studios for Aleph Insights. In this series of podcasts we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision making. I'm Fraser McGrew and I'm here with Peter Coghill and Nick here of Aleph Insights and this week we're discussing newly discovered planet Ross 128b. <laughs> So, Nick, um, why are we talking about this newly discovered uh, planet Ross One Two Eight B?
1: Well, it's just the latest in a, a large number of exoplanets that have recently been discovered. And the reason why this one looks interesting, uh, by the by the way, by the time we're recording this, you know, the, the science gets very quickly updated, and we might discover that it either doesn't exist or it's very different to what we thought. But it, it appears superficially to be fairly Earth-like. It's a similar size, uh, they think and um and uh it has a sun uh which is very similar to our own so um yeah so ross 128b is one of one of many planets now that have been discovered that that might be like earth and might have uh you know life on it and things anyway so we obviously we're not uh cosmologists so we we, we don't really want to talk about the science of that so much but the question of what conclusions we could draw about um about what life's like on that planet if there is life there and particularly if there's sentient life say um and uh, because i i was thinking i'm an economist And, you know, I think one's natural assumption is, well, that's not going to be much use because, you know, they're going to be – we can assume the physics is probably the same. But biologically, they're going to be very different, uh, the creatures there. Um, But actually, I think, you know, economics in a way is more universal than biology um, because I would would argue that – uh, if they have constrained resources and they have agents, they will have evolved some of the things that we talk about in economics. They would have evolved the equivalent of, of trade and, and pricing and uh, valuation and all these things that actually lots of animals kind of seem to have. And uh, so... So I uh, yeah so I was sort of wondering well actually the physicists they think they're the bosses of the science world because that you know what they say is true everywhere but I actually think um economics in in some sense is is more uh, fundamental or at least has a scope which would make it true even if the physics and biology were completely different and obviously Peter's an engineer and I I'm not sure would the question is if the physics was different could Peter still build a bridge you know I, so this question of the relationship between different types of scientific discipline and which is, you know, more fundamental, if that means anything, um, and which is more applicable. Uh, I mean, frankly,
0: i you know, even if the physics were the same, I'd be intrigued to see whether Peter could build a bridge or not. Um, but um, in the absence of a physicist... I think I could probably build a better
2: bridge than you, Fraser. I'd,
0: I'd, I have no doubt of that. Yeah. yeah, in the absence of having a physicist, we have an engineer, which is more or less close enough um do you agree with um with it's a good Nick? job we haven't got any physicists <laughs> isn't it <laughs> do you agree with nick's um uh statement or about the the primacy of 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 economics
2: well listen it is interesting i mean i i think uh it, without without us trying to define what we mean by fundamental we can skirt around this for hours and hours and hours because i'm going to argue the i'm going to argue the case not too strongly but for for engineering because uh, um, engineering, at its heart, is about moder- mo- mo- modifying the natural environment to have some outcome, i.e., build a bridge in your example, put put a land, put land where there was no land before. Um, but, but 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 more on a lower level, uh, engineering is about identifying, quantifying, measuring various constraints in order to maximize certain, some outcome. So engineering is like physics. But you often have to consider costs. So you, you think, oh, well, this is, this is, this is, physics tells you what's possible, and then engineering puts another lump on that and says what's possible within a certain cost constraint or a size constraint or a heat constraint. Um, so it, it, if, assume, assuming that there is some intelligent life on the planet and they are modifying their environment, then they, what they will do will look very similar to what engineers do on this planet.
1: Yeah and I think that's one way of thinking about um engineering is it's sort of in real life how you do the kinds of optimization that uh, economics assumes you're doing so uh economists don't obviously care particularly about about how to build a bridge but they can tell you that in order um in order to make that bridge optimal it, you had to sort of consider why you're building it and and how valuable it is to, for that bridge to be able to perform certain functions and to compare that against the costs and um, so, in a sense, sort of, uh, I mean, engineering is sort of how you actually do that. How do you, how do you go about doing that thing? Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, the, I, I wonder if, I mean, is, is it fair to say engineering isn't really a list of, it's more of an activity uh, rather than a set of knowledge? I mean, there's no sort of laws that are engineering laws as such, um, but there are, but it's an, it's an approach, it's an approach to sort of which takes as its input the physical laws that we have, and and uses them to produce certain effects. Hmm.
2: Yes, that that so that that would be a fair thing to say. But the, I mean, suppose the if there is a fundamental law of physics, then you can't have uh, of engineering. The, it's it's that you can't have everything. If you want to make something faster or smaller, you're going to have to trade off something else like cost. Well, hang on. Hang
1: Why is it different from economics then? Because that literally is the first yeah. thing you learn in your economics textbook is economics is what you do with scarcity. You know, When you have scarcity, uh, you, you necessarily get some sort of uh, allocation of those scarce resources. And how those resources are allocated is economics. Well, Um, I'm going to
2: suggest then that all economics departments and universities get subsumed by the engineering department. This makes no sense. (laughs) (laughs) But hold on.
1: Economics explains things that that engineering doesn't go near. It has sort of non-overlapping, I think there's non-overlapping magisteria, they call this in science. You know, that actually they're they're covering different things. But I think it's weird. It's weird that we don't, uh, you you know, I mean, there is a sort of, let not formally acknowledged but there is a kind of social hierarchy in in the various scientific disciplines ah. and people kind of see physics as very much at the top don't they i mean you know everyone's supposed to have physics envy biologists and chemists are supposed to have physics envy and you know sociologists are supposed to have economics envy and economists are supposed to have that uh, have you know maths envy and everyone's and I, I think the idea is that the and all the envies are supposed to boil down in, in into the maths and the physics departments mm. and I'm just questioning that hierarchy. Well, I'm saying well actually there are things there are things that uh, uh, well I mean take the theory of evolution for example. Now you might say look. If you look at things like the mechanisms whereby we encode hereditary, uh, heredity, so DNA, which encodes heredity, is the means by which evolution actually happens. Because if you don't have heredity, you can't have evolution. You might say, well, uh, DNA is a a chemical, right? So we're going to look. We need to be chemists to understand how that works. And then obviously as a chemical it's made up of atoms and they they themselves are sort of explained by physics so you you might say well biology sort of reduces to physics and but i would say well no because actually you know if even if you took away you made all the physics different provided you could still encode information you could, you could get the evolution happening and you could make predictions about what evolution would be like on another planet where the physics were completely different. You know, where atoms did, didn't exist or worked very differently.
0: But can you, is it possible to have, you know, I am not a scientist, so I find this sort of area sort of slightly But daunting.
1: you worked for the Economist Intelligence Unit. I,
0: I, uh, I worked for a company that was like them. And bizarrely got promoted to the position of senior economist. As
1: yeah, well. so I mean that's pretty good. I mean, in my hierarchy, that makes you practically the best scientist in the world.
0: <laughs> but my query is this, is I think you said something along the lines of a planet with different physics, okay? Yeah. Um but is that possible? I mean, okay, isn't I is mean, physics you know, universal? Yeah, I think that would be well, fairly difficult no, within well, the same. Hang on.
1: It's not impossible. I mean the, as it happens. I mean even it... the conditions are different and behaviour no, no, is I mean, different. I mean, I, mean, I mean look, we've uh, now, I'm I'm pretty hard-nosed about about science. I'm not I'm not sort of questioning things for the sake of it. But I mean, as a matter of fact, uh, you know, most of uh, when we look at we've, a bit of the universe we've actually sampled is tiny, right? Now, it seems that the laws that we've generalized seem to do a pretty good job of explaining everything we've seen, no matter how far away it is. So I mean, broadly, we can say that it's an emp- empirical hypothesis that the kind of laws of physics as we understand them let's take something like you know the theory of uh special relativity or something which seems to be true uh here and is and the phenomena that we see elsewhere in in the universe so far as we can tell uh it's consistent with that too so you it's an empirical hypothesis though it might be that you know if you go um if you go uh you know 100 million galaxies over you suddenly you know uh gravity works differently i mean it, it probably isn't the case, but it's not ludicrous to suggest that might be the case. Now, now, a physicist would then say, well, OK, but if that was true, then we would find a more fundamental law. Yeah, that yeah, seemed yeah. to explain why both are true. And if there are parallel universes, you know, some models of, of cosmology suggest that there are other universes which might have different laws of physics. Well, actually, all of that is subsumed by, by physics. Ultimately. Right.
0: And I think one of the things this goes back to is, I don't know if this is the right word, but is irreducibility because ultimately in these you're always going back to a potentially more fundamental version of physics but one of the weaknesses of engineering and economics is that it depends on um having someone or something in place there and even the same with biology so you you can have a planet with not much going on in terms of economics or engineering and so therefore surely physics is the king in that in that in that in that in that place and and you can't have you can't have economics and 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 engineering without physics
1: but you can get engineering provided we turn up there as soon as we turn up, we can start engineering (laughs) it but you know if you put a rock on top of another rock you'll end up with a pile of rocks that's higher than both of the original rocks (laughs) put together that's basically engineering uh and uh and uh, see no i i mean yes this and this is what i'm saying about the sort of universality of economics is that it doesn't really care uh it just says where where there are people likewise with the theory of evolution you know where there are you know we have certain conditions where you've got the ability to have hereditary and you heredity and you have the ability to have things that are able to capture uh, energy and do things and reproduce uh, in a way that that has heredity then you'll end up you'll end up with evolution you can't not have it it's like if there's a selection effect and you have heredity you've got to have evolution and i would say the same about um you know economics if you have agents and they don't have to be sort of conscious agents like us necessarily i mean machine if you had a a world full of machines that were trying to compete for resources then uh you would end up evolving economics you would have to
0: okay so moving this beyond planets and, and and a general universe and i mean what what thinking about what this podcast is about which is about
2: analysis and decision making um what can we learn from from what we've just talked about peter uh, well, um, the, to bring it back to analysis, decision making, and forecasting and prediction, um, those things only really matter if there's somebody trying to make a decision, uh, some intelligent agent trying to make a decision. Um, and I think that likewise with engineering and econ- uh, economics, they they only matter if there's an agent, no matter how simple, trying who's able to make a decision between do something or not do something to maximize some. Event um uh, maximise some outcome. Otherwise, it is just rocks bouncing into each other, and it's it's it, then it's the it's sort of the realms of the the mathematicians with chaos theory, and at the smaller level, the the physicists uh, are sort of qu- with with uh, with quantum effects. So, um, uh, I think it really it, it, is there an agent, and at which point then it changes between different fundamental,
1: uh, which which science is king. Okay, uh, Nick yeah i mean i think i think you know let's being an agent doesn't isn't some magical thing uh it doesn't sort of suddenly mean that that we can chuck out the laws of physics obviously but what it gives you is a higher level of explanation to be able to draw on so if you ask why someone you know broke into a car to steal something there's kinds of various levels you can you can bring to bear. you could say well they wanted that thing so they could sell it and and, and buy uh some booze um that's a sort of very high-level explanation in terms of that person's reasoning. Or you could say, well, that person, you know, had a a sort of terrible upbringing where they were not taught about the importance of private property – or you could look at them as a biological machine and say, well, look, this person's arm got lifted up and, you know, that, then, they, then they used their hammer to break this glass. And this is how glass works, which is why it shattered. You know, or you could look at their individual atoms. And I still get the sense that actually, probably you could construct some kind of explanation on any of those levels. But the, I feel, I think the, the, you know, the most useful explanation usually is the one that's the next level down. So if we're looking at trying to forecast, you know, what's North Korea going to do next... It's no good trying to build a physical model of kim jong-un and and sort of predict what he's going to do as a as a physical creature you know what you want to do is try and understand um what he he's going on when he's making a decision and so actually you know physics it, is no good is no use it's no use in practice and I, I question whether it's any use in principle in trying to predict what he's going to do because the, the the tightest the explanation is going to be something in terms of what he's trying to achieve and what beliefs he has about the world that's going to give you a better prediction um you know so i, I think the sort of in in practical real world terms, actually 99 of of what we what we use when we're trying to understand the world is, is higher level stuff uh it is things like economics and engineering and it's not stuff like physics um so uh yeah so i think you you know but it doesn't uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that uh you know one of them is more valid but certainly those higher level explanations tend to be more useful
0: so um they're just different lenses through which we can from which we can ascertain the truth how about that
1: well, yeah. Although, I mean, there's a lot of debate about how reductionism works. You know how you managed how you can say how you can say that something is essentially something else. You know when we say that water is essentially H two O, and that H two O is essentially some hydrogen and uh, uh, you know and oxygen molecules banding together, and, and that they're essentially some other set of things involving protons. I mean, actually, that seems like something which we find intuitively easy to understand, but actually. The concept of reductionism is still a matter of debate you know how how it actually works um okay uh, but yeah i mean luckily you know we have evolved not to need to do that you know we've evolved to be able to understand the world on a variety of levels Mm -hmm.
0: okay um and talking about superiority of different sciences but moving away from science one thing we haven't discussed is 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 the the primacy of theology Okay, so where, you know, where we can always find the eternal truth in that. Um, Yeah,
1: you didn't you study theology? I did. I did. So which out of which what what are the scientific laws that theology has discovered? Uh, None of them. (laughs) (laughs) But but it might one day find the ultimate truth.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, we haven't actually put the boot into any particular disciplines. You, can point, you can point... Well, let's do you it know, another way. Po- let's do what? it another
0: way, okay? So, I, I let, let's think about when we were back at university, yeah, and to think about individuals and groups of people, yeah, um, of which were the ones that you disliked the most. Let's oh, that's say. a good one. Because um, I know who I disliked the most, um, which was the people studying politics, philosophy, and economics, right? Um, and they were just, and I, it's something I, re- I like, I like it because it's one of those things where I didn't even know what PPE was, but. Um, it was only after two or three years at university I started to realise there was a group of people. There were oh I don't like that person. They're pretty awful. Yeah. Oh that person's pretty awful. Well, they, and they were all just really overly ambitious. Yeah, I think and, they
1: they put themselves at the top of the of the of the of this sort of academic status hierarchy for some yeah. reason. The sort of self appointed kings yeah. of academia aren't they? The PPE people. Yeah, and it was only um, yeah
0: like I said and I liked the fact that it was only later I realised that what that what, what they all had in common was that they were studying PPE
1: and they were all and they all probably all went off to be MPs. Oh doctors. God,
0: they all went off to yeah, politics and <laughs> yeah. they're all at the beach. BBC and awful places like that yeah um, so yeah that was that lot um what about you Peter who did you dislike uh,
2: well probably the art historians or historians Ooh. more generally because history is the study of history obviously has use uh, to, to, to look at the world uh, and to sort of try and work out what happened and to retrospectively try to build records of what may or may not have happened but it's so unsightly as an engineer it's so totally unscientific and conjecture based it it, it it could just be a lot more rigorous if it was a lot more rigorous then i think it'd be a lot more useful
0: so I, and
2: particularly the art historians because art, art again has its place but to, to do history of art is sort of to, to compound this complete conjecture
0: but that's such a, a kind of um scientific way of looking at it do you know it's a kind of a self uh,
2: fulfilling approach If you're just doing it for the sheer hell of it, then why not? But let's not call it an academic discipline. Let's just (laughs) just call it a hobby.
1: (laughs) You might... Well, yes, and I think that's most of the people... um, doing art history don't really need a job do they I mean, they're the <laughs> kind of people who, who who are looking to go and get a career afterwards because they, they they don't need one um but i uh, yeah i mean my girlfriend at the time was an art historian so i'm not i can't criticize that particularly and in fact i think i think you know done properly art history is a you know almost a kind of anthropology where you look at why, why it is that humans choose to de- depict uh things the way they do to be honest the people who riled me the most were not arts graduates and because i think that's you know luck the good thing about arts graduates isn't no one, no one actually takes them seriously, you but know what? Uh, wait, well, you know when you look at i mean. You know, I did philosophy and economics, and um, and you look at sort of the kinds of discussions that the people in the English department were having about the meaning of a particular piece of text, and you know, theories about the death of the author, and you just think, well, what is this actually about? What you do? What fact is up for discussion here? And it's just basically a kind of organised guff fest where they all sit around and discuss various <laughs> in inverted commas theories. But I didn't really mind that because it's not, it's not, but it's not bad, it's, it's not bothering me at all. No, what used to really rile me is, um, is actually the physics who were sometimes forced against their will to take philosophy of science classes. And they just, they had this really fixed view that uh, what that philosophers didn't understand science and that philosophers were just sitting about in their armchairs, rationalizing. And whereas they, the scientists, they were on the real cutting edge of knowledge. And, you know, that studying philosophy of science was just a load of nonsense because they could see things for real inside their electron microscopes. And uh, and that, that, I think, annoyed me more than anything else because it was a, a, an unwillingness. To question the fundamentals of their own discipline, but uh, but there, there we are.
0: Well, that that being the case, that makes me feel quite good. So the world needs more theologians because well, we...
1: no, no nobody has said anything which implies that <laughs> because <laughs> because
0: we always knew we were on shaky ground. And so we knew that we were just asking questions that, that to which there is no answer.
1: So, I mean, how many angels can you get on the head of a pin? What's the latest thinking? Well, <laughs> tune in for the latest pod, for the next podcast on that.
0: <laughs> um, gentlemen, thank you very much. I enjoyed that. Um, so uh, we'll wrap up there. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast. I'm Fraser McGrew. We've been here with Nick Hare and Peter Coghill of Aleph Insights. Until next time, goodbye. Bye-bye.